Hey, y'all. Once again, welcome back to the official Yellowstone podcast presented by Win Las Vegas. It's Jefferson White here. I am really excited about this next episode. As some of you might know, we had a bunch of the cast here to record a couple weeks ago. The Wind hosted us all and organized an incredible dinner at their new supper club, Delilah. I'm not sure I had ever even been to a supper club before, and now I call every restaurant I go to a supper club. It was spectacular. We had Kelly Riley and Jen Landon there for the dinner. Kelsey couldn't join us, unfortunately, because she's the busiest woman in Hollywood. She was filming out of state, but we have them all here with us now on this podcast, digging into their work on Yellowstone, how all of these characters play vastly different roles and really help to define the tone of the show. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Cal Fire's coming to you. Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules. Can you shave another day off your sentence? Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount Plus. I feel incredibly lucky today to be joined in the studio by Kelly Riley. Uh, you know Kelly Riley uh, for her many <laughs> incredible performances in, in films and television, but most recently as as Beth Dutton on Yellowstone. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure. You're doing. You're killing it. Thank you so much. You've you've really. I would say that my entire career, I've benefited immensely from low expectations. Right. I always. Everybody always expects me to be bad at stuff, and that's a great place to start from. Right. Only ways up. Only way is up, exactly. Uh, so let's just assume that I'm going to be terrible at this and we'll go from there. So we're all just pleasantly surprised. Yeah, exactly. Wow, he's... Wow, he didn't mess up that bad. <laughs> exactly. Every time I get on a horse, it's been four <laughs> years now, and still, every time I get on a horse, everybody expects me to fuck up. Uh, so the bar is very low. Um, will you, just for, for folks who've gotten to know you through Yellowstone, will you just talk briefly about your life before Yellowstone, your career before Yellowstone, everything up until we got to know you as Beth Dutton? Oh wow! Well, um, that's a that's a yeah. You can go time. as long or as okay. short as you want <laughs> there. Well, obviously, um, I'm not American, so I grew up in South London, England. Um, I left school at 16, um, but I had two wonderful drama teachers who took me to theatre and gave me plays to read, and it just became a passion of mine: playwrights and writing and. Uh, drama and acting and went to theater and just ate up theater. And then before I knew it, I, by the grace of God, I have no idea how I managed to do it. Um, I, I, I became an actor and, um, and that was 20 something years ago. Yeah. So my first, my career started in the theater in London. And I feel like that's where I really cut my teeth and learned from the greatest actors all theater character actors, you know, uh, state that was their bread and butter. They go from play to play to play. And, um, and I got some, I had some incredible, uh, experiences and roles and got to work with great, the best British directors. And, um, and then I realized I was poor. <laughs> um, it's not really a lifestyle if you want to like have a life. And also I was playing all these tragic heroines you know, it was Desdemona and Miss Julie, and it was just like I couldn't sustain a life and play um, all these 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 tragic characters every day. So I was like, okay, I think there's another world going on um, on TV and film, and maybe I need to get a sniff of that. And so, um, 
yeah, that sort of began my my career in in, in TV and film. Um, but I never ever ever imagined, and that's the, the joy of our job, right? We don't ever know where we're going to be from one literally month to the next. We are gypsies in the best sense of the word, and it's been such an honor to sort of land in Montana with a bunch of other reprobates um, telling a story about America. Um, and it's, it, it, I, I sometimes do have to pinch myself that I'm part of it. Mm. Um, and it's, I, I, it's been my favorite, one of my favorite jobs um, mm. I've ever had. Is that all right? That was fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, one of the very first things you mentioned when you talked about your background as an actor is playwrights, is the, yeah. is the text, is the script. And, and we're very lucky on Yellowstone. It's very rare that you have one writer who effectively writes every episode of a show. You know, that's much closer to the, the theater model. There's a writer who writes a script, you know? Uh, and so we have, from the beginning, obviously had Taylor, who's written every episode of the show. So will you just talk a little bit about your experience of first reading the script, of first sort of coming to mm. the, the words? Well, when I first read um, the, the pilot for, for episode one, season one, um, I literally had that sort of gut reaction. You know, when you read a script and you don't, you're like, mm, maybe I can see myself doing it. Maybe I can't. I always have this idea if there's another actor in your head that you think could play the part better than you, you probably shouldn't do it. Um, or maybe you need to do it. Maybe, you know, maybe it's okay. But there are some that literally um, take hold of you in a way that is bigger than it about being a, an acting job. It's uh, there is some sort of a feeling of I need I need to play this character. I don't know why, but I felt that with with Beth. I'd never I had never read um, a character quite like her. Mm. I was excited and frightened by her. Um, in equal measure when I first read her, um, some of her lines and some of her scenes. And I, I was just sort of lent in and was intrigued that a man would write um, a woman that I, a, a deeply flawed woman who he wrote as a hero. So you, you mentioned that this is a script and a character written by a man, but really responding to the way that Taylor wrote Beth, a woman. Will you talk a little bit about that dynamic as it played out translating the script from the page to the screen, as it played out sort of being surrounded by men. Beth finds herself often in a men's world, a man's world, navigating spaces where she's the only woman. Will you talk about that experience a little? Beth was raised by a man. I mean, she had her mother until she was, I think, 11. Um, but then it was, uh, it was her and her brothers and her father uh, so yeah, she was, I don't know if she was raised as a man, but she certainly, uh, she certainly learned from them, from her father specifically, I think. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, it's very common for women to be on a film set surrounded by men. I think that's changing. So it wasn't, um, an abstract world. What's that like only being surrounded by men? That's most actresses would say that's, that's more common than, um, than not. But, um, yeah, I, I um I didn't ever look at Beth as like there's this way of thinking that actresses are looking for characters that are strong, right? Because we're always trying to find these characters that we can relate to and are, are not specifically role models, but there's something about 
the the character that we can see empowered, not just the girlfriend, not just the thankless role that hasn't got any um, anything to her. And I I was more curious about more just the more complex character. It wasn't about had to be a role model or a character that I could look up to and admire. I mean, there's things to admire about Beth, but there's also things that are questionable, right? Um, but you don't ever think that with a male character. You're never reading a male character and going, oh, he's a strong male character. I don't think there's a, they have ever been said, a strong male character, but you get that all the time. Strong female character, mm. um, strong female role. Or um, And I, what I enjoyed about Beth was her irreverence to some of that stereotyping and I I responded to it um, just artistically personally and I think a lot of women have responded to her in that way too um, so it's a it's a it's a sort of feels like a bit of an uncharted territory hmm. and part of what you identified there is these contradictions right like the first thing you said is she she's hurt she's sort of complicated and and yeah I guess when I you're totally right that I I it's it's a oversimplification to imagine, to, to describe her as strong or to describe her as a destructive force or in her own words, you know, a tornado. Right. <laughs> she describes herself. I, I think of the, the damage that she does, the sort of chaos that she sows, but she is also herself so hurt. And there's that contradiction sort of at her very core, this hurt person who hurts people. Hmm. Talk about that a little bit, about that duality, because I think that's something you do so well is allowing her to have a full life on both sides of that spectrum. Well, Taylor doesn't let me hold back. If I tried to soften her in any way in those moments, he would pull me aside and ask me what the hell I was doing. Um, it's very clear what my instructions are. And it and, and within that, it's like pushing the, the boundaries quite it, to an extreme level that you see the truth of something, you know. Um, and if you teeter on being safe, sometimes you don't really get the full experience of what he's going for. And I think um, he does play with that idea of like, you know, can she, is she vulgar? Does she have, does she speak in a way that you don't like or that you do like? Um, I mean, she's, she's a very pol polarizing character. Um, and for me, that's exciting because you don't want everyone to, it's not about ticking boxes, but it is about complicated, interesting, three-dimensional, the whole gamut, dark and light, warts and all, you know, messy. And uh, and there's a little bit of mess to Beth that I'm intrigued, intrigued to, in, I'm intrigued by. And then also, you know, it's also big and small. You talked about pushing it to the extreme, being sort of understanding the assignment and knowing that to a certain extent, it's your job to take the stakes as high as you can. Beth doesn't do much small. She goes, she, she goes as hard as she needs to go to accomplish her objective, you know, to right. get what she wants. And that, for me, that's what characterizes your performance is your ability to, to you know, to, to run the gamut and explore that entire spectrum. So we, we don't know. We, we do a, a season of a show and I've done seasons of a show before and they've never, not got picked up or whatever. But now we've been playing these characters for four years. Um, they become part, I don't know about you, do you feel like that with Jimmy? Do you feel like a loyalty to him, a protectiveness towards him? Like, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And over time, more and more, you know, over time I feel like I, I find more and more ways, as we explore more shades of these characters, we find 
characters, we find more ways in which we align with them. Yeah. Because looking at you, speaking to you, obviously you and Beth are different in a lot of ways. But over time, I think those two things that are difficult to reconcile get a little closer together. Yeah. Um, was it Meryl Streep? She talks about acting as like you think it's not about playing something that is outside of you. Um, you think that it's something that you don't recognize in yourself and you're reaching for, you're trying to navigate and figure out and become. But the study is actually when you start to really inhabit and become the character, you understand where your similarities actually are. Mm. Um, and like you said about serving story, like serving the writer, um, that's our job, right? As actors, like we're serving a greater story. So you're just one cog in a, in a machine, really. It's not just about you know, it's not the Jimmy show or the Beth show or the Rip show or the, well, it's probably the Co the Costner show. I was going to say, actually. it's That's definitely the not the Jimmy it's, it's, show. There's a spectrum you're describing there. <laughs> well, maybe the spinoff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that I find so fascinating about that, you just said, you know, these archetypes, mm -hmm. the, these archetypes live in Beth. But the great gift of, of getting to do this for four years, for 40 hours, is that it's not any one archetype it's not any one sort of but mythical not, character I'm not, I'm not i'm not one myself like i feel like i have a whole gamut of different women in me exactly and, um, yeah and i think and for you too and i think like what we have um what we're capable of is endless as people like mm. i mean i i i leaned into beth of some of her strength and some of her the way she owns a room right i don't necessarily share that quality um in fact, I don't share it at all. But when I play her for a while, she starts. I start to understand the strength in me that can do that. And I've limited myself to thinking um, that I can't do that just mm. by my brain. Because when I play her, I can do it. So it's already in me. So you're basically just touching. We're all capable. And I, um, not to quote such great actors, but I, I'm a nerd about acting. And Daniel Day-Lewis is like, he does talk about how we are massively, we have no idea what we are capable of as human beings and how mm. him playing all these characters over the years, he's understood that we're all, there's a, that pool of unconsciousness that we could all dip in and out of and to use those things in your life. Mm. So it's not just about being an actor, playing a role and serving a story that you can actually use. Like people write to me and say, thank you for um, sure. Like I, I take on some of Beth Dutton when I have to deal with the asshole at work, right? And I use Beth as an inspiration and I become a bit of Beth to get me through that day. And so in a way, they're talking about the same thing. It's like taking on an aspect or an element of something that is you think is outside of yourself. And then you're, you're by internalizing it, you become it. Mm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an amazing observation. And, and it's not surprising that people see themselves in Beth's strength, in Beth's mm -hmm. sort of power, right? She describes herself as a tornado in Beth's kind of, yeah. you know, elemental rage. What's it been like for you to also, especially as, as the years go on, especially pushing into seasons three and four, get to explore the sort of opposite side of the spectrum, the softness? I mean, it's trickled, you know, it's like trickled in um, and I had to earn it. I think like she has to, the first season, it was just all brutality um, and uh, strength and uh, fierceness, which I love. Um, but then season two, you started to sort of he started to give me the odd moment that was um, you just know that they're like Cole said earlier, that there is a beating heart in there mm. who who does who, who can be sensitive. And um, one of the things that 
I love most about her when she's in her softer moments is what she does for others. Um, time and time again, and I look about what her actions are, there is always something that she's doing for someone that she loves. And very little is it about doing anything for herself or pleasing herself. She's not after power. She's not after money. Um, she's not after anything other than, I don't actually know what she's after. I think in those, you know, uh, those moments when she's talking about peace with her father, like, how did you find, how do you find peace? What does mm. that mean? Um, because she's searching for it and she can't find it. Um, and it's just, I, I love, I love those questions posed in mm. the middle of a Western TV show, you yeah. know? Yeah. She's really, I mean, in a lot of ways, she's destroying herself for the sake of somebody else. She's putting yeah. herself through hell for the sake of her father. And I think that that, as you described earlier, we we serve the writer. We sort of serve a greater purpose. And in, in the pilot of Yellowstone, Lee says to Casey or Jamie, maybe he says, we don't choose the way. Yeah. We don't choose the way, little brother, something like that. It's and I, true. I believe that. Yeah. And we don't. We We are, I think, at our best not trying to control anything Just but surrender a, yes surrendering to these this sort of elemental force that is beth or the part of yourself that is beth like allowing the part of yourself that is beth to take the wheel yeah. for a while yeah yeah and beth herself is beth herself is often turning the wheel over to to these to her father to these people to whom she feels loyalty to rip starting in season 4 to to carter she's she's putting herself into incredibly difficult challenging often brutal circumstances for the sake of this greater purpose for the sake of her belief system mm -hmm. which seems largely structured around pr protect like you know, she says over and over again once my dad's gone you know, you can have the ranch. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I'll sell it to the Four Seasons and swim laps in their pool. That's what yeah. she said. I don't. I. I think that's changing. I mm. think. I think that speaks to the fact that what it symbolizes is not any part of what she wants. Um, she doesn't. But I think she's. The more time she's there, and obviously with the relationship now with Rip, I think that she's finding where she belongs in this world. I mean, she is made of that. Those mountains. You know, something people may have noticed over the course of listening to this podcast is that you, your your voice and Beth Dutton's voice pretty different. Will you talk about that experience? Is that disorienting? Um, it was funny. So I don't know if you remember. I mean, you and I actually haven't had a scene together, which we need to deal with. Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> God is Taylor Sheridan in right. this case. But for the first season, and you wouldn't know this because necessarily we didn't actually have any interaction on set because we were never on set at the same time. But I hardly spoke to anybody. Because I couldn't, I didn't, it's not about breaking character. I also, you hear those stories about actors staying in their dialect off camera. Mm. And I admire them, but I would feel like an idiot. Mm. Like speaking to Tim, who does my hair, or the lighting guy, or, you know, my mom calls me on the phone and staying with my American accent. I just couldn't, I couldn't make peace with that. That's just bananas, but... So it was just easier for me to just not talk and not let anyone know me um, for about two seasons. Um, and it was just all, it wasn't about getting people to be convinced that I could play Beth or that I was Beth or whatever. But it was more about me staying in the, the space because it does become a, it becomes 
a pretty sacred space, right? When you're in that level of work that you want to deliver and you want to like um, protect and you want to get right for the audience. Um, I didn't, I just needed to be convinced of it myself. So anyway, dialect. Yes, I work with a dialect coach. <laughs> Longest answer ever. <laughs> no, you, had to, you had to protect your process, you know, by taking yeah, a, a vow of silence. It was a bit of a vow of silence. <laughs> I think everyone just thought I was like, you know, unfriendly or whatever. Um, but actually I just had the weight on my shoulders of this beast and oh, I, this and tremendous I, uh, pressure, how he writes her. I mean, uh, he gives me big, great chunks of dialogue that are really hard to say, even in m my accent. So me getting my mouth around some of that, you know, m that muscularity of all those R's. Yes. It's hard. But it, I mean, it's an incredible transformation because you similarly- yeah, it helps. I love it. I love it because I also drop it, my voice as well. Mm. So I found myself, I was, I was listening to, to JD and he kind of does that kind of uh, gruff thing. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll steal that. Is there stuff, I mean, is there stuff that's been, uh, that's been especially fun for you? We talked about getting to explore different shades of Beth over the course mm -hmm. of four years. Is, is there stuff that's particularly fun for you? Are there moments that have been particularly fun on set? I have, I have a lot of fun playing Beth. So, um, I, massive amounts of fun. I mean, I do spend a lot of time apologizing in advance to my fellow actors <laughs> that I'm about to crucify, but they know what they're getting into. Like, so uh, then they're getting paid for it. So it's fine. But the crew becomes our family, right? Our crew are just incredible and they are always, you know, the best humored, hardworking uh, family. And um, I coming to work in Montana, like I'd have moments where you're literally setting up a shot and the sun is rising and I've got a steaming cup of coffee and someone's just making a joke and it just feels, I just feel so lucky mm. um, uh, that I get to, be part of this and I don't even mean like the success of the show that's almost like an added on bonus um but just the actual doing it is uh is a pleasure um when I'm not being tortured about some of those other scenes it, mm. I'm always I'm always grateful when there's a scene where I don't have anything to say or it's just a, a one-liner because then I feel like I can relax and that's I, one of the most no pardon me go ahead no I love being in Montana as well mm. that's part of the that's really a win I'm, I would not want to be on a back lot in California mm. yeah, for the, four years. It's so immersive. Yeah. The experience of making the show does a lot of the work for us to a certain extent. Right. You know, that coffee steaming, you don't have to pretend you're cold. For the most part, you're cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For the most part, if you're in Montana, the, the weather is incredibly immersive. Well, we're either roasting and everything's on fire around us. And then suddenly we're freezing and, uh, and we're in the middle of winter. It, it changes so dramatically. But I feel like everyone feels like that. Everyone is like happy to be there. There's something about being that close to the elements and that close to nature. And, you know, you wake up. I remember being to set one day and they were like, oh, did you hear about the grizzly that was like seen on set yesterday? <laughs> I, I, and You're talking I, about Cole Hauser? Cole Hauser? Yeah. His name's Cole Hauser. <laughs> and driving to work and seeing the bald eagles mm. circling above you. Like, that's, that's pretty something. It really is. Yeah, an incredible gift. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to have this conversation with you. So thank you so, so, so much. It's Kelly. nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson White. I play Jimmy. I'm the, I'm the, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm the dumb guy. You're so Brooklyn then. Yeah. Hey, fuck, don't fucking worry about it. I'm the dumb guy. I play the fucking dumb guy. Um, I always, I always, you know, I think there's no way to imagine Jimmy and Beth meeting that would leave 
you know, where Jimmy would walk away feeling okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of grateful they've never bumped into each other because yeah. I don't think that goes well for Jimmy. I'm looking forward to that moment. <laughs> oh God, I'm happening. not. I come back. I come back from the sixes. I'm finally a confident, tough, strong <laughs> cowboy and Beth just shreds me with a line. Thank you again so, so, so much for being here. It's, it's such a treat. Thank you. Wow. Kelly is an incredible actor, but she's also just obviously a very genuine, good person. We're going to take a breath here. And when we come back, we're going to dive right in with my dear friend, Jen Landon, who plays Teeter. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Fire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules, and you shave another day off your sentence. Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS, and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Folks, uh, I feel incredibly lucky today to have Jen Landon in the studio. Jen Landon plays Teeter on Yellowstone. Jen's an incredible actor, an incredible cowboy. I've been learning alongside Jen for years now. Jen, thank you so, so, so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Jeff. Um, it's really a thrill. Could you just talk a little longer about how excited you are to be here? <laughs> I, this is... Well, I mean, I feel like we've been together for a while now because we're we're in Texas working on this this cutting event. Yes. Together. So prior to so, to yeah. coming into the wind to to record this podcast, Jen and I have been staying together at a B and B in uh, Weatherford, Texas. Yeah. Preparing for a uh, celebrity charity cutting event. Cutting yeah. is a. Could you describe cutting for us a little bit? I mean, yes. I wanted to kind of start with just like sharing an Airbnb being sort of the event, because not only have I never lived with you before, I haven't lived with anyone in about 25 years. Um, so I feel like getting to see our, the way we, like we're both very courteous and trying not to infringe on the other person, but also we're both very, um, very slightly messy. Yeah, I would describe yeah. us both as curious, it's, as uh, uh, courteous, but messy. Yeah, courteous, but messy. See, I have three roommates all the time. <laughs> Because so you live me, in New York. Yeah, I live in New York City. So for LA. me, this is m many fewer people than I usually live with. Jen, yeah. just for the, the folks at home, will you just take a second to describe your life prior to Yellowstone? So everything that happened before uh, folks out there got to know you was teeter on Yellowstone. There was nothing. It was just <laughs> sort of like the pre-Big Bang moment. Um, are you serious? Is this a serious Yeah, you can take as long question. as you want to or as, as short as you want to. Um, Gosh, prior to Yellowstone, I was having a lot less fun, though I was still acting. Um, I started out in theater. I was on a soap for many, many, many years and said many, many, many words and then hopped around on some shows. And that's it. I have no life outside of work, which is what you can gather from that answer. And part of as you describe your background, I guess part of what occurs to me is that you have you've lived a lot of lives in a short time and you've learned a lot of different sort of crafts and skills in a short time, because especially as an actor, you have a very, a very varied and diverse skill set as an actor. So you started out in theater. Yeah. You worked in daytime. Yeah. You've worked in very, very cool television and movies. Yeah. I was, a, I was an associate artistic director, um, of an experimental theater company for a while. 
Uh, we were a movement-based company that worked often with classical texts. Um, I definitely have that side of me. I feel like, as do you. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, both, we, we both share diverse backgrounds as actors, and then we both landed, um, thankfully, on Yellowstone, and, and we're tossed into this world that we didn't have as much experience yeah. with. So for, for both of us, from the beginning, we've been uh, working very hard to come to understand this world, to develop the skills that it takes to survive yeah. in this world. So will you talk a little bit about the process of, of getting up on a horse, of, of stepping into Teeter? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when I auditioned for the show, um, they had reached out to my team uh, and asked if I had horse riding experience. And I informed them, my team, that I had ridden horses as a child, but not since then. And they uh, told casting that I was a professional horseback <laughs> rider. Um, so coming in, um, I actually had a lot of horse fear because I did grow up with horses. Uh, and my mom had a really, really bad fall um, and was dragged around an arena with her foot stuck in a stirrup. Mm. And she really shouldn't have survived that. Mm. Um, and I was still quite young, but that was the end of horseback riding. So I didn't get to kind of reclaim that until I joined the show. Um, so it was really, it was really healing on one level. And then the other thing is, I feel like, I feel like this is how surfers must feel when they engage with a natural force, like the wave, which is, I, I do feel like the difference between a good day and a great day sometimes is getting on a horse that sort of being in that in that rhythm, which is this natural rhythm of that animal, reminds me of the animal that I am and the natural rhythm that my body would like to be in that I rarely allow it to be in. Mm. You also, a minute ago, you described, you know, feeling some fear because of a, a very difficult experience you had at a young age with horses. Yeah. But it's interesting because I, I think of Teeter, the character, as being in some ways characterized by a fearlessness mm. or an incredible sort of, even if she is afraid, an incredible cour courage to uh, to run at whatever scares her. Yeah, there's, I do feel like Teeter's courage gives me courage. Uh, that That's something that we all experience as actors playing different parts, we sort of take on um, their mental state, but also as an actor, we really get a false sense of confidence. Um, I'm like, for example, I'm under the impression that I'm an incredibly good fighter who can beat up an entire biker gang. Um, <laughs> because J-Rod choreographed a fight in which I win. Um, <laughs> but uh, I cannot do that. But I, I think I can. And what an incredible gift, I guess, to get to sort of, I don't know how you think of it, but put on a mask or sort of step into the boots of this character mm. who has a different set of skills, a different set of limitations, who has yeah. it, it has a very different sort of background than you. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the experience of coming in, because Teeter, you and Teeter are very different in a lot of ways, or, you know, Teeter is a certain part of you, you know, <laughs> Teeter is a kind we of... We have a very different mask, that's Yeah, sure. exactly, yeah. Maybe you have the same primal core uh -huh. and you both express it in different ways. Talk yes. to me about Teeter comes into the bunkhouse as a woman surrounded by men and is the most aggressive 
sort of character in that environment. Teeter hits on everyone. Teeter's sort of going after everyone. Talk to me about that yeah. experience. I mean, I don't want to take away from the fact that she does zero in on Colby pretty quickly, though. Yeah, she's interested in all things. Um, you know, am I allowed to cuss on here? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, do, does she want to, you know, eat it or does she want to fuck it or does she need some sleep? You know, um, but I had talked to Taylor and, you know, it's like she's a, you know, not that I don't want to open up a whole bag of worms, but she is has a she's a dude in in the traditional idea of what that is. Right. Um, and that is something that I'm actually really comfortable with, uh, kind of leaning into that more ag aggressive sort of archetype in some way. Yeah. And it's fascinating because Beth, you know, you talk about traditionally masculine qualities or yeah. traditionally feminine qualities, right? Right. Beth is also an incredibly aggressive sort of forward attack mode right. aggressor. And, and Teeter is in some ways too, but then their tactics are so different. Their tactics diverge sort of from the very so beginning. So much. You know? I, 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 yeah, Beth is like, you know, I've, I, you and I had been talking a little bit before the podcast about Teeter being a strong character. And, you know, we were agreeing that Teeter is a, str a strong female, but she's nowhere near as strong as Beth, you know. Um, but Beth is so, for me, watching it so iconically female in this really wonderful way, you know, that I as a person really like watching as well because it's very powerful but it's very feminine and in, in again in this very traditional way um yeah yeah beth sort of leverages her femininity as a as a weapon yeah she uses it as a weapon to get what she wants from yes. her enemies and teeter takes a very different tactic teeter kind of leverages her masculinity or her like tradition as you said you know in some ways she's a dude and she like yeah. she'll she'll punch you in the face before she'll oh know, 100% talk it out <laughs> yeah no she's not talking it out it's uh, I don't think that that has worked well for her in the past. Um, no, though, I've had a fantasy of a scene that's never been written in which Teeter just launches into a monologue one night around the poker table. And it's like maybe a 45 second monologue. And she gets really emotional and nobody knows what she's just revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's played as a joke throughout the show. There's so many sort of funny moments of Teeter saying something just utterly indecipherable, yeah. everybody being confused. Talk to me about that because you, you know, a as an actor, you're not just saying something indecipherable. You're saying something. You're trying to communicate something. So talk to me about the experience of Teeter's accent. Yeah. So it's it's written, Taylor's wrote it phonetically, which was fantastic. I remember when I saw the the sides on first glance, I was like, what? So it's spelled out. The sounds are spelled yeah, out. It, this, it, the sounds are totally spelled out. And um, even though, you know, just when I like kind of did that first thing where you're like, how long is this audition? You know, I was like, one of these languages is not English. Um, <laughs> I was I was tickled by the fact that I she always made sense to me. I always knew exactly what she was saying. And that was not the case for a lot of people who would read it. Um, but that being able to hold on to it being sounded out was so liberating for me. Um, and I I'm just amazed that 
I mean, we Taylor writes at a clip. He can also write gibberish or, you know, phonetic English at a clip. I mean, it, it, it was, it's sort of shocking how well yeah. he writes that. Really remarkable. And it's so sort of different than your, I mean, you know, folks at home, folks at home might just notice the difference between your, your natural speaking voice yes. and Teeter's very thick accent. Yeah. People, people are surprised by that. Um, they're also surprised when they, somebody has been speaking to me for, you know, sometimes it's an hour and then they find out that I'm Teeter because I don't visually register, um, to them as Teeter. And they then ask me how long it takes for makeup to put the prosthetics on my face every morning. And, um, I have to inform them that, that there are no prosthetics on my face, um, that that is just my face. Uh, and I think that speaks to how sort of transformative that, that, that it is, it's a physical transformation in some ways, but yeah. it's also, there is such a sort of powerful, as you described it, feral energy that it sort of transforms your presence. Yeah, I do move through the world slightly differently uh, when I'm when I'm in her skin. Uh, people very close to me notice it. Uh, some like it, some don't. It do makes... horses respond to it? Because I feel like uh, Teeter is an incredibly experienced rider. I feel like when I take on Teeter's energy in life um, on a horse, I get stuck in this weird in between where I am trying to like you know, just be that like dominatrix on that horse or like that, like, yeah, that dom on the horse that I feel like Teeter is. Uh, but the horse is smart and is picking up my bullshit. So then it just throws everything off. The horse just gets anxious and grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to work on soft receptivity on the mm. horse. The, my first experience wasn't on horse on the show. It was, uh, I remember when I read, I think it was episode three or something for me, or 303, uh, Teeter separates a Charlet, a white cow, from a, her a bunch of black cows. And I thought, well, I'll be in a big arena, and a bunch of very trained black cows will run by, and then there will be a big gap, and I'll jump in front of a white cow and stop it. And then I show up and there's like a shoot <laughs> and there's just a bunch of sort of anxious cows running back and forth. It's like, no, you're going to just jump in front of one of those and stop them for real. Um, and I watched a lot of Temple Grandin videos and uh, tried to bring my best temple to work that day. Part of the experience of filming Yellowstone is is all of us gathering in a small town in Montana yes. for months at a time, away yes. from our families, away from our other communities. Yes. Will you talk a little bit about what keeps you busy while we're out in Montana? Uh, what, what keeps you sane? What sort of fills you up? The experience of being out there authentically, you know, yeah. working on the ranch is a is a very sort of authentic experience. And so is just living out in Montana. What's that like for you? I sort of thrive in that environment because it, Montana to me feels like the most wild state in many ways in, in, in a nature sense. And part of why, on the flip side, I like New York City so much is because New York is sort of wild as well. Um, so I think I'm drawn to that wildness. But uh, getting in that nature as much as possible is so grounding. And then I felt like we did sort of a wonderful job 
of creating kind of community. And we both, we all knew that it could get challenging at times, especially with COVID. Um, so we kind of had those group activities and those movie nights. And I, I feel like we did a really great job of creating a family there. Yeah, it's not so different than living in a bunkhouse. You know, we're out there. It's really not. We're out there kind of in the middle of nowhere and we're each other's, we're each other's family. We're yeah. each other's community. We're coworkers, but we're also just, you know, because we've been, we've had the opportunity to do this yeah. for a long time. We also, yeah, really are each other's sort of source of strength and solidarity and strength in a strange environment. Totally. And I mean, I did live on top of a horse barn. Oh yeah. You literally lived on Li top of a horse barn. Literally. Yeah. Um, Jen, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Let's say it together. Jen. Jeff. No, one more time. <laughs> Jen. Jeff. Um, Jen, thank, thank you, you so, so, so much for being here, for doing this, for taking the time to to talk with me. Uh, you and I head off immediately after this to go uh, get our asses kicked some more, learning That's right. Learning a little more about, with our great about writing. I have to just say Lindy Birch's name. Everyone look her up. Jen, thank you so Jeff. much for being here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank what you. a treat. What a joy to spend this time with my dear friend. I, I can't thank you enough. All right. I'll see you. I'll see you later and I'll see you tomorrow in Texas. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow in Texas. <laughs> I can't tell you how much fun Jen is. What a kind, thoughtful, generous, patient friend she is. She really, she really takes care of all of us on set. And I'm so, so grateful for her. I need to step aside for a second. When we come back, I'm going to be joined remotely by none other than Monica Dutton, Kelsey Asbel. All right. Today we're talking to Kelsey Asbel, who you know as Monica on Yellowstone from uh, from the very beginning. Kelsey is obviously an incredible actor who I've been lucky enough to call my friend for four years now. Uh, and we're going to chat on. about uh, everything Yellowstone. So Kelsey, first of all, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm so grateful. Oh, you're so welcome. You're, you're the perfect person to be doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad it's, it's you I'm talking to. Thank you so much. Um, I will, <laughs> I will endeavor to prove you wrong over the course of the next <laughs> 40 odd minutes. So for people that don't know I you, doubt it. for folks that don't know you, can you just talk a little bit about mm -hmm. your background, how you wound up on Yellowstone, sort of everything, everything about you before we started to get to know you uh, four years ago? Yeah, of course. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, 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 I guess it really started with Taylor. Um, I worked with him on, on Wind River and, um, yeah, he really. Um, I, I mean, he's he's made such an impression on me on my on my career, obviously, but also my life. And and uh, and so yeah, when he asked me or sent me the script for Yellowstone, I, it was kind of a no brainer. I'd I'd follow him anywhere. So, will you talk at all about your experience with Monica? Is that is the same? Are, are there are there shades of Kelsey in Monica? Are there shades of Monica and Kelsey? Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think probably same for Jimmy, right? Um, especially as the seasons go on. Uh, I think that Taylor put a little bit of, of us in our characters for sure. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think authenticity is really important. And I think, you know, one of the joys of shooting the show is being able to also shoot on location. I mean, I feel like Montana is is just such a gift to us as actors because we really informs the world in a way that a soundstage could never. Um, so I'm really glad that he, he fought for that. But I, 
yeah i mean i i i think that um i think that i have i have really learned from monica i think you know she's 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 a survivor and a mother and and um you know someone that she she's she's human you know she's um so yeah no i i have a real um yeah i i have a, a special place in my heart for her, you know yeah i i spoke to mo okay, i spoke to mo you. and one thing that mo talked about cuz mo is also such an incredible sort of he carries with him so much history. He's such an expert mm. on a lot of this stuff. Like I've learned so much from Mo, but something that he emphasized over and over again is that he also tries to be a sort of student. He tries to always be learning. He tries to stay open to the world. And I feel like that's kind of what it's like to be an actor. A lot of times you're simultaneously pretending yeah. to be an expert in something, but you're also all the time looking around, learning from the people around you. And on this set, Particularly, we're lucky to be surrounded by sort of, you know, some real, uh, I wouldn't use the phrase elder statesmen because they're, uh, they're in their prime, but, but people like Kevin, right? Like, and, and yeah. so Monica, especially in season four and, and season three, starts to have more and more interactions with John Dutton, more and more sort of these two kind of families that define her, mm. her, her loyalties and her sort of her responsibility to her life on the reservation. And then also her loyalties and her responsibility to Casey, to Casey's family, to Tate. Like she, how do those two families, how, how does she relate to those two families and the responsibilities that she feels to each of them? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the most um, welcoming introduction, but I do think, especially last season, she, I think she had this, you know, newfound respect for John Dutton that like maybe, maybe they're fighting for the same thing, although in very different ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think she really, she really struggles with, um, she really struggles you know she's 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 fighting for her family but also you know like you said she wants to you know can can she exist having a foot in both worlds um it's definitely easier said than done over the last four years monica has you know as Casey's war kind of comes home, Monica's also been exposed to these incredibly difficult, painful, traumatic situations that she has also risen to. And now, you know, in season four, mm -hmm. is starting to sort of thrust herself into for the sake of protecting her people. Yeah. But I think one thing that's been really amazing is that from the beginning of the show, even as you guys are navigating that difficult, dramatic content, there's also this, this like undercurrent of joy and this undercurrent of like love and trust. And so you guys do such an amazing job of, of not allowing this relationship or these characters to become only one thing or the other, but always having the sort of opposite present underneath it. Because they would have to in order to stay together, right? They would have to in order to survive. If, if this shit happened to people, yeah. it's such a, it's, they would need to have this love underneath it to keep them together, which is just such an amazing gift that you guys have. 
Oh, bless you. No, I, yeah, of course. I think you, you you need to know what it is that you're fighting for. And sometimes it is kind of hard to get, or you get, you lose that for a moment. So I think that, um, you know, we've, we've got some really like sweet uh, moments in this season that are just are a good reminder um, of what we're fighting for. Yeah, the stuff with the dog. I mean, I'm also so excited to see that stuff. <laughs> I just can't like there's the dog there's all this sort of joy with Tate there's Tate yeah, like because Brecken's also sort of huge spoiler Jeff we get a dog all right the fans demand to know do that. you get a dog <laughs> yeah. the big season four the big season four question who gets a dog that's what everyone wants to know exactly. Kelsey again thank you so 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 much uh for ch for chatting thank with you. us thank you for all the work you do uh, and I'll talk to you very soon, I hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Bye. I am so thankful to all of you for tuning in. So, so grateful. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the Yellowstone family. So thank you for being here. We drop new episodes every Thursday. So make sure to subscribe and tune in to the official Yellowstone podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The official Yellowstone podcast is hosted by me, Jefferson White, and produced by 101 Podcast Studios and Paramount Network. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount Plus. Cal Fire's coming to you! Don't miss TV's hottest show. Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules. Can you shave another day off your sentence? Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.